Good afternoon and welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll have an update on the canola situation with China. Up first in today's country comment, provincial weed specialist Tammy Jones will stop by to talk about the upcoming growing season. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon, you're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. The warmer weather over the past few days has resulted in many weeds popping up in farmers' fields. I connected with the province's weed specialist, Tammy Jones. I think it always surprises us in the spring how quickly things start to grow, even though the fields might not look green. So, for instance, on Sunday, I walked through one of my cornfields and noticed a bunch of different biannual, winter annuals that were doing quite well. So some flixweed, narrow-leaved hawksbeard, dandelion, stinkweed, all those types of plants starting to do uh, really, really well and scarily so, starting to progress along so fast that they're getting almost out of stage at times. So it is uh, it is that time where pre-seed herbicide application or some tillage or something to control those weeds is very important so that when we do seed the crop in the next few weeks that it's off to its uh, best advantage. What are some things farmers should be considering um, when dealing with these weeds? I don't think moisture is a limitation in most areas this year so that's nice but those weeds will be taking advantage of that. They'll also be taking advantage of some somewhat balmy temperatures that we're having right now so they really will be starting to progress along quite quickly and that gets them at a stage as far as herbicide controls go So we do need to think about if we're using um, a herbicide per tool that we're doing it when the timing is right. So I think it's important also to think about how passable our fields are. And right now might not be the best time for tillage. There might be clumping or we might be causing more ruts instead of removing more ruts. But most of those fields can be passable with a sprayer prior to when we would be able to go in to till or to seed. So take that opportunity to go out there and control those weeds while you can. As well, like I said, the weather really conducive to active growth right now. We've had some showers in spots. We tend to have some really warm days. Realistically, some decent sunshine as well. And so we should see good activity with the herbicides when we spray them. And smaller weeds are just physiologically easier to kill. We need less of a dose of the herbicide. The plants are typically less stressed when they're younger. They have a thinner cuticle, and so they're just easier to get that herbicide in and active. The other side of things, if we're looking at soil-applied herbicides, is that some of them need either moisture to activate or time to activate. And if the weeds are already emerging, then we're already behind the gun as far as getting those soil-applied herbicides on. So I think seize the moment if we're looking at herbicides. Again, like I said, if we're looking at tillage, we probably need to wait to make sure that field conditions are appropriate in order to ensure that we're not causing more problems than we're solving. Which types of weeds are going to be a concern this year? We probably didn't do as much in the fall as what we normally do for either post-harvest operations like tillage or spraying or whatever, just because of the wet and the extended harvest. In fact, I've seen that there's still lots of guys struggling to finish that harvest up. So we are probably looking at a lot more perennial issues 
winter annuals as well. So think Canada thistle, think dandelion, like I mentioned earlier, flickseed, narrowly toxbeard. We're also seeing stinkweed and shepherd's purse. And then I've also noticed more kochia coming already. And I don't think lamb's quarters will be far behind. That was Tammy Jones with Manitoba Agriculture. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. The federal and provincial governments will be supporting a project which will allow local food producers and farmers markets to sell their products online. Canada and Manitoba will be providing a total of $160,000 through the Canadian Agricultural Partnership to Direct Farm Manitoba to purchase a software platform that will allow Manitobans to order food online from local producers and farmers markets. The funding will also go towards the development of a network of pickup and delivery options to connect consumers with their orders and the development of COVID-19 safe handling and packaging practices for producers and processors. With COVID-19 presenting new challenges, BASF and the Canadian Agriculture Safety Association have launched a new online platform focusing on farm safety. Marcel Hacot is Executive Director with CASA. We compiled some resources for children. So depending on the age of your kids and how active they are on the farm, we've got, you know, how, how to play safe on the farm with, with kids. We've got kind of, if you have older children, really a bit of a contract. What can you do and what can't you do on the farm type of thing? So it's kind of clear having that conversation with your child. Resources can be found on the Canadian Agriculture Safety Association website. The Canadian Wheat Research Coalition and the Canadian Barley Research Coalition are calling on Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada to continue important wheat and barley research activities at its facilities in 2020. CBRC Interim Chair Jason Scottheim. Essentially, they've sort of given us indications that it was going to drop down to a bare minimum level of research this year and that they would only look after um, certain projects, certain very long-term projects, or even just in terms of land management. And so I guess our pushback to them is, is that there's other organizations that are finding ways to do this. Why can't AAFC do this? And organizers with the Red River Exhibition have decided to cancel this year's show due to COVID-19. It was to be held June 12th through to the 21st. This is an unprecedented move in the association's 71-year history. Purchase tickets will be refunded or they can be used for next year's show. The X has an economic impact to Manitoba of over $16 million. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Tuesday, April 28th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll get an update on the canola situation with China. This morning, Canola Council of Canada President Jim Everson gave producers an update on the canola situation with China. As you know, China blocked the shipments of canola seed to China in March 2019, disallowing um, a couple of our major exporters of canola seed, Viterra and Richardson, from exporting. And we've been committed to holding these calls with growers to ensure that they're aware of the latest developments because of the importance and size of the Chinese market. Uh, Industry and federal government have been working to restore full trade and predictable trade with China. And as part of that, a number of technical calls and meetings have been held between Government of Canada officials and those in China. And the latest of those was on March 30th, when Canadian and Chinese officials uh, discussed the matter. 
China at that time informed Canada that the current trade in canola seed can continue um, at this time, but the dockage levels would need to be less than 1% in all future shipments as of uh, effective April 1st. So Canada has been shipping about 30% of what we would normally have been um, exporting in the way of canola seed to China uh, over recent months. Uh, those shipments, for the most part, have been at low dockage levels. So that level of trade should be able to continue under these circumstances with China. Ch canola shipments to China remain blocked um, as the licenses of those two larger exporters uh, continue to be suspended. And our, our priority is certainly to restore full trade and have all Canadian exporters included in that trade. And we will keep working on this and this file until that's uh, restored, until full trail trade is restored. Oil and meal exports to China uh, are, are continuing. So that's the current status as of April 1st. And moving ahead, um, I want to just remind everybody that we're very confident of the quality of Canadian canola and we need a predictable science-based trade environment, which is the goal that we're working to with all Canadian exporters included. The Canola Council, working with the Canadian Canola Growers Association, will continue to work on focusing Ottawa's attention to support these priorities and resume canola exports. We're in touch with the Government of Canada officials regularly, like almost daily, um, and with the export companies on an ongoing basis working on this issue. With the blockage uh, with China continues, Canadian exporters are being successful in moving canola to other markets. On a year-to-date basis, canola exports are up to Bangladesh, the United Arab Emirates, Europe, Pakistan, um, and other markets. And our exports to valued traditional markets, Japan, Mexico, and the United States remain strong as well. That was Canola Council of Canada President Jim Everson. Continuing on today's Prairie Ag Wire, Glendalee Allen Vossler talks with a couple of farming operations, one a large grain producer with land in Saskatchewan and Montana, and the other a vegetable producer near Outlook, both of which normally hire temporary foreign workers. Daryl, thank you so much for taking time to join us. Manette Farms, of course, a very large operation, land in the southwest, Swift Current area, as well as Regina, Prince Albert, also land in Montana around Box Elder. You grow a variety of crops from green and red lentils to Durham canola, barley, chickpeas so when you take all of this into consideration no doubt you've got a fairly large staff talk to us a little bit about staffing and the fact that you normally do bring in temporary foreign workers yeah we have about 60 employees uh that we employ over operation and of which is usually about 20 to 30 or seasonal foreign workers that come over and uh, help us through the growing season. They come everywhere from Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, Britain, Ireland, uh, 14 of them in total. So, When generally did they start arriving and, and how long are they here for? Well, we implement the two-year program, so some of them are here full-time. And then the seasonal ones usually start showing up in the end of March or April, but this year we had 24 that we were going to hire um, of 13 we had already hired, but once COVID hit, um, all 13 of them we actually couldn't hire. So I think there was two or three that were 
that were hired that made it over before the airline shut down. So actually, with the oil and gas industry being in distress, we we are actually partnering with a company to uh, help employ some local people while they're not being able to work. So yeah, the locals are actually a lot are coming back to their small towns in this time of crisis, and we're able to employ locally, which is good. That's Daryl Manette of Manette Farms. Now we switch to vegetable production. And joining me is Dan Erlinson from Spring Creek Gardens. Dan, of course, one of the owners there. And Dan, tell us a little bit about your operation, if you will. We farm vegetables. Uh, we grow about 235 acres of vegetables. Uh, anything from broccoli and uh, cabbage and carrots are our main crops. Carrots will seed about 50 acres. Um, cabbage will be about 35 acres. Um, and broccoli will be just about 40 acres. Able to use a, a seeding machine that helps us seed uh, our trays. Um, we seed a 128 cell plug tray. Um, and we can seed about 200 to 240 of those an hour. It gets fairly labor intensive as, uh, as we move on here. We have to start moving trays out of greenhouses outside so they can harden off prior to us transplanting. Uh, and then we have, to, we have to handle them to get them back in a, in a truck to get them out to the field. And then at transplanting, we usually have a crew of about seven or eight people that uh, we go all day long with transplanting. So it uh, the the need for labor certainly increases as we go along here. This year, because of COVID-19, generally we'll have a mix this time of year. We'll have uh, some offshore labor as well as some local labor uh, to help get through the transplanting season and the other seeding part or parts of seeding for the for the spring too. This year we're going to be uh, solely with a local crew for all of our planting, and then we yeah, we have high hopes that we'll be able to get our our foreign labor or offshore labor in for harvest time. Uh, that's when it's it's really important to have those folks around for us. That's Dan Erlinson with a Spring Creek Gardens near Outlook. For Golden West, I'm Glendalee Allen Bossler. Thanks, Glendalee. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email to the farm desk at goldenwestradio.com. On behalf of Glendalee Allen Bossler, I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Egg Wire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. The Livestock Markets Association of Canada annual convention has been postponed. The Animal Nutrition Conference of Canada also postponed. Crops of Palooza 2020 scheduled for July has been cancelled and the Manitoba Summer Fair in Brandon has been cancelled. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Tuesday afternoon. Some farmers in western Manitoba received a surprising letter from CP Rail recently. I got the details from Keystone Agricultural Producers President Bill Campbell. Well, it has been brought to uh, our attention when a subdivision that runs from Minnedosa into Saskatchewan, I think it's called the Bredenbury uh, subdivision line, and producers along that line had received letters from CP with regards to uh, identifying um, uh, railway crossings. And our understanding is in that 2014, Transport Canada had issued upgrading of safety standards of these um, railway crossings. Um, and that is to be implemented by November of 2021. 
so um, CP sent letters out to people who have crossings. Um, our indications are that they were to identify the landowners so that they could be um, uh, speaking with directly the people that are affected. Um, but in the letter, it also implicated uh, financial obligations and uh, some liability insurance requirements. And if it was not addressed uh, by the end of April, there was the possibility of terminating the crossing. Uh, so it caused a lot of concern for those that have limited access um, to their property on both sides of a railway. Has CAP had any conversations with CP about this? or? Yeah, we last Friday we had a direct uh, communication with them through our transportation committee, uh, and there seems to be some misunderstanding with regards to the intent of the letter and what CP was trying to do. And I know that there was... Uh, numerous calls made to the MP in that particular district, and um, there's been ongoing talk with uh, uh, the Transport Agency and Transport Canada and CP uh, and our farm groups and uh, rural municipalities are also affected by this. So there, there seems to be some misunderstanding and miscommunication with regards to the initial process to uh, dealing with these railway crossings. And it's very unfortunate that, that it has come out this way because uh, producers uh, feel like they are obligated to address this by the end of the month. And CP has indicated to us that that's not their intention at this time, but uh, their letter did not state that. That was Bill Campbell, president of Keystone Agricultural Producers. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. It's official. Canada's farm show scheduled for June in Regina is being postponed. Tim Reed, president and CEO of Regina Exhibition Association Limited, says with only 50 days to the show and the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, they've made the difficult decision to postpone the show. A rescheduled date has not been set. Working within the realities of the new COVID-19 situation means a lot of companies have implemented new protocols as they move forward. Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada, however, has given indications that their research would drop to a bare minimum this year. The Canadian Wheat Research Coalition and the Canadian Barley Research Coalition are concerned by the move. Jason Scottheim is interim chair of the CBRC. I guess we're urging them to look at this on a regional basis. We're not asking them to put people in or undertake any unnecessary risks, but there's other organizations that are working their way around this, and we're urgently pushing AEFC to look at these groups and try and do the same. And with tractors hitting the field soon, safety is becoming top of mind. BASF and the Canadian Agriculture Safety Association have announced a digital expansion of farm safety resources for kids. Marcel Hacko is executive director with CASA. Progressive Ag Foundation, because they can't have the physical safety days, they've been holding daily drops. So if you go on their YouTube uh, channel, they'll have one activity every day that you can uh, host with your kids or, or do with your kids that's related to safety. 
So uh, just trying to bunch up a couple of uh, activities that uh, parents and uh, teachers can use to still have that safety activity, still have that safety content in with your children. Resources can be found on the Canadian Agriculture Safety Association website. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwestradio.com. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can meet us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.